0: That's the least favorite thing that I have to do today, and that is to break up sweet interactions that God's people are enjoying with one another. I've been spending a lot of time in the book of Acts recently um, for one reason, to get ready for this message coming up this morning, but also it's just fascinating to me, uh, the book of Acts. And if you read it in uh, two-volume set, Luke and Acts, and read the whole storyline, it's just remarkable. Um, and, and in Luke chapter 11, uh, we see this man named Barnabas who is sent from Jerusalem to go into Antioch and, and take a look at a work of the Spirit to see whether or not it's authentic And I can just envision him coming around the corner. I can almost envision him what I was just watching here. And he saw God's work and he was glad. So as I stand here listening to you chatter and smile and laugh and hug and interact, I'm glad. I'm very happy. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to chapter 2 in Acts. That's where we'll be today. And as you're making your way to Acts chapter 2, I want to start off with a little little story. So it happened a long time ago, and as I get older, chronology gets really strange in my mind. So sometimes a long time ago was, Lisa will say, that happened yesterday. This one didn't, though. This this was probably, um, we'll say... 15 years, 17 years, somewhere at, back, back in there. And, and as I was getting ready to, to preach in a series, perhaps similar to this one uh, that we're in, involved in now, and it was on family life, it was just moments away before I was having to get ready to go up and begin to preach when this young man came up to me and he, he looked at me and he, he had a question on his mind. I said, what's up? And he said, I just have one question before we start the service. And I said, great, what's up? And he said, every night when you go to bed, do you have to kiss your wife goodnight? Yeah, that's, that's how I looked when he asked me. I, I, I said, say again? In hopes that he would start kind of unpacking that a little bit and clarifying, because I had no idea where this question was going. And secondly, in order to give me at least three to five seconds to think of what the heck am I going to say? And so he stood there, and in a strange way, he just kind of looked at me, and he said the very same question with the very same words. When you go to bed every night, do you have to kiss your wife goodnight? Now, I don't think I have a answer immediately uh, until immediately it came to me that there's something behind this question it, surely he's not probing into my intimacy he, he, he's not one who's wondering how many times do your lips land on Lisa that, that's not his question so I'm wondering what is he gouging at what is he angling into to figure out because I want to help the guy and so I, I looked at him and I said, well, I guess it depends on what you mean by have to. And his face dropped and, and his 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 frustration ascended. You could almost hear him think, Pastor. That is an easy question with an easy answer of yes or no. I guess it just hinges on what you actually mean by have to. Well, today we're going to continue in a series. It's a series that's been given to us by um, Ligonier. It's called The State of Theology Report. And Ligonier and Lifeway Research partnered up to probe into questions, questions into the evangelical church. Evangelical simply meaning people who claim to be Christian and have kind of a a, a sense of what gospel means. Those kinds of people, they had a survey that went out, and they're exploring this uh, group, and they do this, I think, every other year. To just kind of take the temperature, uh, the spiritual temperature on the evangelical church. So what we have done, uh, we call this uh, Hold Fast, and what we want to do is take these questions one by one and, and uh, equip you, assist you in thinking through these questions. These questions range from Just the nature of God and Christ and what salvation is, and so on and so forth. Uh, Well, today's question was a little challenging for me, because up to this point we have been asked questions like, "Is Jesus divine? Or are there many ways to get to heaven? Or is the Bible um, God's word? Or?" And you can open up the Bible, and you can look at text, and you can go, there it is, and there it is, and, and argue for that successfully. And, uh, but, but this question came to me, and I've heard it over the years. And yes, I could come up with a certain list and argue a certain way in hopes of being somewhat persuasive to the answer to this question, but it still doesn't kind of get this, this absolute definitive boom to it. But here's the question. Do Christians really need to join the local church? Hmm. Do Christians really need to join the local church? And so, I was wondering, where am I going to go with this in the Bible? And how can I help Christians understand that question And you all, to think carefully on that for your discipleship, or perhaps even your salvation, depending on where you're at this morning. Here's how the uh, survey went. 44% of those professing evangelicals disagreed with the statement, every Christian has to join a local church. And in addition, almost 60% agreed with the statement that worship alone, or with your family, is a legitimate, valid replacement or substitute for regularly attending and participating in church. So, what is the answer? Every Christian needs to join the local church. Well, to come to an answer that is hopefully honoring to the scriptures and honoring to the author of the scriptures i had to go into the bible and look carefully to it and i was absolutely delighted to find that in the scriptures there's a portrait there's a, there's a picture that has been preserved down through the ages and up into the 21st century, and then has been delivered to Veritas Community Church in March something of 2023? And that's the picture that we're going to look at. And what we're going and to is an answer sufficient to that question. So if you've got your Bibles open, you can stand with me, and we'll read the text, and we will answer. Attempt to honor God and his scriptures with the answer that comes out of this text. Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47, we read God's precious, authoritative, saving, satisfying words. So those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came over every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Let's pray. Father, we want to come to you and just ask a simple prayer, a genuine prayer, a heartfelt prayer Come and help us to peer into these things, into things into which angels long to look. Allow us to sense what's here in a way that is honoring to you, glorifying to you, instructive to us, helpful to us. So please, we open up to you and ask for this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So, what I thought we would do today is I will, um, on the screen, this is the portrait that was found ancient times, almost 2,000 years ago. It has come to us, and now it's on the screen. And once it's on the screen, what I'll do is I will just simply walk you through the portrait and show you the structure of this passage and then I will preach this passage and the, the portrait will still be up there so if I start getting boring up here or whatnot, you can just look at the portrait and begin to think thoughts of it yourself and look at the text to see whether or not it is so and then after that we'll close with an application there will be two reflections and two responses that cor- correspond with those reflections Okay. So on the screen, this is to depict a framed picture. And the overarching big idea in this passage, Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47, as I see it, is the gospel creates undeniable, identifiable church members who then devote themselves to this newly Created life. I'll repeat that. I don't know if it's on the screen. But the gospel creates. So as we're reading the, the scriptures, as we're re- reading Acts chapter 2 is phenomenal. It's absolutely breathtaking. And this is where the Spirit comes, and it's the day of Pentecost. And it's a fulfillment of the, the, the Jewish festival of, of Pentecost. And, and a lot of, of themes are going through here, all pointing to and, and, and terminating in Jesus Christ. All the types, all the, the echoes, all the prophecies coming out of all these things in the Old Testament are going right into the person of Jesus Christ. He is the Messiah that we have long awaited. He is here and He went to the cross for the sins of His people. And He took those sins into the grave so His people would not have to deal with the judgment on, his, on their sins. He left them in the grave and came up In triumph over sin and Satan and sadness and sickness and hell and he's brought these people into himself this sweet union by faith and now we're sealed for the day of glory the Holy Spirit is being poured into this moment an unrepeatable completely surprising event to give us a sense of what is happening at the inception of the local church and so we we see we see what he has done in this in this uh... passage one through thirteen and then the apostle peter from fourteen through forty looks at it and explains it interprets it to the watching world these groups that are all around and then we get to verse forty one that starts with a little so which tells us that he hit the 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 pause button and pulled out a picture and kind of put it before the people and it's a summary of what happened there and as you read the the uh, the book of acts you'll see this picture pop up about 5 or 6 times that this is a local church that is multiplying and spreading to the known world all through the world you see these pictures popping all over the place and they're biblical local churches and so this is what it looks like. Gospel creates church members that are identifiable and undeniable. Now, when we're looking at a picture, a framed picture, we, we spend a little time on the frame. And, and, and if it's ornate and archaic and, and it's well-designed and it's very expensive, we might really look at it and go, that is just amazing. That that." bracket that is crazy cool but the frame is to frame our attention right it is to take our wandering eyes and put them right on the epicenter the the essence of the picture and so that the, the beauty and wonder and intricacies and and insights of a picture come out to us. So that we almost want to just kind of step into the picture. It's so gorgeous. So that frame is to frame our attention this morning. To write into the picture. And what do we see in the picture? Well we see people like you and me. We see people like you and me. That are animated. They are devoting themselves to these activities now as we will look in the text we will find one verb that that then points to and penetrates four direct objects these nouns that start getting lively and start moving around in this picture and this 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 verb has got to be understood carefully Because it's a reality. It's not something that that they're just trying to turn on and off or whatnot. It kind of went inside of them and started animating them. And now they don't have a choice but to move into these four direct objects. The direct objects here are learning together, partnering together, sharing together, and praying together. But let's take a quick look at this verb. You'll see it as devoted themselves to you see it in there in verse 42 I can't see it so I'll put these on and they devoted themselves to and then you will see these four direct objects so what does it mean to devote themselves to hmm so as a good exegete My job is to look at a word in its original and then look at the contexts and look at themes and try to see is there commonality in these these certain settings and themes and and try to extract kind of a definition or something. So here's my best attempt. Devoting yourselves to... To occupy oneself with. To pay persistent attention to. To hold fast to. To continually be into. I thought those were pretty good. And they helped me. They helped me start thinking carefully over this action that's what a verb is it's an action and that was helpful but it was kind of like soggy cereal I mean you can eat it but it it wasn't popping it wasn't happening in my mind so I I thought well can I see this word in action somewhere like to have a word picture I have the distinct privilege in the pastorate to officiate weddings I've officiated a lot of them, and I love them. I absolutely love the drama. I, I love the setting. I, I love the optimism and idyllic settings. I just, I'm, I'm a sucker for that. But moreover, in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 and following, you get this picture of what is this wedding standing for? What, what, what is it presenting to a watching world? And you start seeing that, that this is a, a living parable of Christ and His bride, the church. And so that's just thrumming in my heart as we gather together. And in a wedding, you might not know it because you're out here looking onto a stage, but there's usually little, little dots or X's where people stand, right? And so the wedding party comes up and peels off, and they find their little spot, and they stand. And so it forms kind of like a V, if you will. And the V is to take your attention and move it right into, this is why we're here. And then in the middle is kind of a triangle. It's a very tight, close triangle, somewhat intimate triangle, where the pastor stands on one point. And then the groom-to-be is on my left, and the bride-to-be is on my right. And it's about this close, so that I can, I can say uh, good evening and welcome and talk and orient and, and say a few words concerning that, and then start moving it into almost whispering to these people, particularly when, they, when you say, who has the ring? And they go, <gasps> And they get the ring. And then they, they, they orient themselves and they're just gazing at each other. Their eyes aren't blinking, but this doesn't mean like a deer in the headlight. These eyes are dancing. The, the, there's, some, there's some energy in the eyes so that they're wetted and, and they're glistening. And they're just, the eyes are almost touching and then tangling. It's like, i got to step out of this triangle. This is getting really intense. Well, last year I had the privilege of being with Tyler and Carice. And they're still looking like they looked last year. And, and, and so when I was right at that point, I, I said, um, Tyler, repeat these words. He never looked at me. All he could do is stare into the eyes of Carice. And he said these words with with heartfelt, I mean this, honey. And he said those words, occasionally blinking, but their eyes and their bodies, they just wanted to go. But I kept them away for a while, right? And then it went right to Carice, who has the ring, say these words. That is the essence of this Greek word of devoting themselves to. In Acts chapter 1 verse 14, we see the core group of the local church, uh, church plant, the starters. And it says the very same word they devoted themselves to, 120 of them. And then if you fast forward and go into chapter 6, verse 4, you now see apostles. And they're saying the same thing. They're devoting themselves to prayer and the ministry of the Word. Now, I don't want you to miss this this striking observation that these people, we might say, yeah, right, devoting yourselves to, of course, the core team's going to be that way. And, well, of course, apostles they're just crazy devoted but now right in the middle we have this picture and it's common people like you and me who just came into the local church and they were devoting themselves to hold on to that because that's vitally important to answering the question why were they devoting themselves to that well Peter preached the gospel. And in verse 37 of chapter 2, it says the word came and began not as a club to to smack on their their will and say go this way or that way. But it's this surgical knife, this scalpel that's peeling away their their strengths that, that hid them from God or tried to or, or their, their ways of working through life apart from God, this autonomous whatnot. And it started slicing and slicing and it came right down into, oh, there's the heart. Right down to the heart. And, and, and the people started feeling extremely vulnerable. Like, what shall we do? And Peter said, repent of your sins. The Holy Spirit with the Holy Word is exposing your secrets of your heart. Repent of those and be baptized. And then the Bible says, and you will be added to the number day by day, those who are being saved. And that's what they did. It cut them to the quick. Their heart is is vulnerable. They can't handle that. They cry out with, repentance and confessions and then they saw the Christ saw the Messiah Jesus is our only hope put their hope in him and went into the water identifiable undeniable you bet but they re- received something by receiving the word and that is this devotion to these four things what are they well verse 42 summarizes it and then 43 through 46 kind of unpack it a little bit for us 42 says and they devoted themselves to number one the apostles teaching and so these people are together that word together is used all over the place in the bible particularly the new testament Uh, it's, it's all over the bible um, but specifically right in here, they're all together. They're together. They're, they're linked. They want to be close. And they're together. They are learning. They, they have devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Can you imagine listening to the apostles unfurl the, 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 the mysteries of Christ all through the Old Testament? That's all they had there opened up the Old Testament and said, let's look at Christ, let's look at Jesus, and just started in. And these newly born from above had this craving for learning. They were devoting themselves to it. In Acts chapter 17, uh, verse 11, I think it is, um, you, you see that, that they were welcoming the, the Word with such heightened anticipation and expectations that every time they heard it, they, they searched the Scriptures to find out whether it's so. That's just common. That's just normal for Christians. And then in chapter 20, in verse 20, I think it is, the, the apostles they, they preached in, in, in the portico and, and, and in the gathering, and people would gather together about this many or so, and they would listen intently to the teaching, and they were learning it. They were growing in grace and knowledge, and, and then it, it says, and the apostle would even go house to house. So now it's in an intimate, more, more uh, enclosed area, similar perhaps to our, our community groups. And, and, and he was right there and other leaders were right there and unfolding the wonders of the Word to them and they could not get enough. First Peter 2, 2 were like infants, newborns, craving mom's milk. That's what Peter said. I didn't say that. That's that devotion to that learning. Now I have to ask us, we're peering into this beautiful picture and we have to ask the question, do, do Christians really need to join the church? Well, I guess it kind of depends on what you mean by have to. But there's other characteristics here. We now look at partnering together. You see that right in verse 42? The word is koinonia. Some of you uh, would be familiar with that term. It's the um, The fellowship. And it has an article there, so it's The Fellowship. Now, we use the term fellowship a lot. We have a fellowship hall over here, and, and we would go and we, we have breakfasts together or donuts and coffee, and, and we sit and we eat and drink and we talk and we laugh and we share lives together. And that's wonderful. I love it. I'm addicted to it. But that's not the totality of fellowship. It's not less than that but oh it's so much greater than that I think maybe J.R.R. Tolkien was reading this text and then he wrote The Fellowship of the Ring it, it, it's more to do, you can list, look at it in Philippians 1.5 it's more to do with partnering up in the gospel, in the mission. Setting out on a journey together on mission to to overcome and push back the, the strongholds of Satan throughout this world in the darkness and to usher in the new light of the new age. To roll back the curse and bring in the blessings and wait, oh, wait with heightened anticipation to see the One who did it all, Jesus Christ bring the new heavens and new earth to earth, and we're in eternity together. That's a mission. That's a mission for you and me, simple people who are invaded by the Holy Spirit, who have the Holy Word with holy people. We we, we cannot get enough of learning and partnering up. This gets us up in the morning. And this maybe begs the question, well, do Christians have to join the local church? Oh, it doesn't stop there, does it? It goes into sharing together. Now in verse 42, it says, the breaking of the bread. And most commentators will look at this and say, well, this is what we're about to do. We're we're breaking bread. This is called communion or the Lord's Supper. And I think they're right. And this is a time that's so intimate to to receive Christ afresh, to receive His mercies, which are new every Sunday morning when we gather at the table. It's refreshing beyond measure. And to watch people eat and drink and pray and praise, and this is an astounding breaking bread that people do, when they are put into a local church and they come and they feast upon the Christ. Week in and week out. In addition, don't think that it's necessarily um, uh, restricted to the Lord's Supper. It certainly highlights this. But then it goes on in, in verse right around 46 and it says, um, they, they were breaking bread in their homes. And, and and read it there. It says, and they, they received with glad and generous hearts. Who does this? People who are devoted. People whose eyes are glistening and wetting and sometimes crying with joy that <laughs> I see your face. If you went into one of these homes, what do you see? You, you, you see... Brothers and sisters, you see friends whose faces are soft and smiling and saying, welcome, come in from out of the cold. And, 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 and there's an aroma that's just mouth-watering kind of aroma coming from the kitchen. What is that? Well, that's a new recipe that we're going to try tonight. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. And we start sharing stories and difficulties. We'll have little pockets of prayer and we'll come out and we'll sit around a table. And then you try to figure out, are we going to go left or are we going to go right? And it doesn't really matter, because it starts and then you, you put in, and it just goes around and you kind of giggle and then you pray, and then you go if you eat in front of people, It's kind of a humbling experience. Some eat with their mouths open, some eat because it's not etiquette, and they close their mouth, and, but, but you're chewing and swallowing and giggling and la- talking, and there's hugs and <sighs> look at the picture. Who are these people? Gosh, that question now is bugging me. It almost seems so foreign, but i got to ask the question. (laughs) Do Christians really need to join the church? Well, the last one is so sweet. It's called The Prayers. And The Prayers hint to and depict... Uh, liturgies of these groups that come together. Acts 3.1 says it's regular. So that's why you get at Veritas this flow of the gospel story each and every week of starting with praise God into confession, into I have an assurance, into great joy and blessings to God, feasting and eating and celebrating all that God is for us in Jesus Christ. So those are the the, the prayers that they're devoted to. They don't want to miss any of these because they've been added to that number. Day by day, those who are being saved, they're they're already added. They're they're people who are counted and, and counted on. These are identifiable, undeniable church members who are praying. But then all through Acts and all through the Bible, there's these Let's pray together. Let's serve and give preference to one another and, and pray. What, what's on your mind? And let me pray and pray and pray. And we're just opening up our hearts and we put our trust and hope in, in God. And it's a very transparent, intimate time of God's people praying publicly, aloud, personally, close. do I really have to join the local church? Well, we started with an opening image, didn't we? This young man came to me and he asked me this bizarre question. I didn't know what to do. So I just said, well, I guess it depends on what you mean by have to. About three months or so after he asked me that question, he came to me. And, and he was a little guarded, but he said, the answer to my question bothered me. And I said, well, what's up? Tell, tell me what you're thinking. And he, and he says, it's just a nonsense answer. Why don't you just answer the question? And I said, there are two types of have-tos, right? There's an external demand. A, a, a an obligatory obedience like pay taxes. Do you have to pay your taxes? Everyone goes, Yes, I have to pay my taxes. Hmm. And then there's another definition where there's where there's this growing desire that gives rise to heartfelt acts of love like i cannot not do this you see young man when when you see beauty you have to respond favorably you just have to it's not like you have to you you just cannot help you got to move towards it with 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 heartfelt activities you see choice Starts melting in the presence of sheer beauty. And then it begins to flow out with this this heartfelt love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, self control. So, do I have to kiss Lisa? (laughs) I have to just have to. Do Christians have to join the local church? Well, I guess it depends on your definition of have to. Now, this message, it applies to all of us. So I'm going to try to close this morning with two reflections. One is the frame and the second one is the picture. The first one has to do with the gospel creates church members. And so here I just want to ask you, are you a, a church member? And, and maybe you're not. But, but I want to take a step back and just say, have you heard the gospel in maybe a brand new way, with 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 renewed energy from the spirit, so that it actually started moving towards your heart. And and in in First Corinthians fourteen, it says that it exposes the secrets of the heart, and you just felt really exposed. And then you you heard hope. God does not expose us and then laugh at us, or or. Or push us away. No, no, no. He exposes us and then moves in and holds us and hugs us and brings us into union with His Son, Jesus Christ. New birth so that we confess our sins. Have you gone through a conversion? Have you been baptized into the waters of baptism, coming out, swearing allegiance to Jesus? Have you been put into the number of a local church? If you haven't, then I ask you, do you have to? Listen to your heart. Maybe you're going, good night. I I really, 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 really want to. Well, then you you have to. No one's going to stop you. It doesn't have to be this church, though I have a bias, but a biblical local church you move into and you go through the process and you become a counted and counted on member who has this devotion to learn and partner and share and pray with people you don't even know initially. And then you start over the months and years to really gel together. The second reflection has to do with church members are devoted to this newly created life. And so here I'm talking to church members. You might be a church member at another church and, and you are visiting or whatnot and and. Um, You're happy at your church, and I'm happy for you. Most of you um, who are church members are probably church members here at Veritas. And if you're like me, there are seasons in your life where you cool off. You've got the language, but you kind of cool off from the essence of that language. And so maybe today, the Lord is moving towards you. And here's an idea. It's a growth assignment that I'm giving to you. That if you look at one of these four direct objects, one of these these animated nouns that are doing all kinds of things, and you go, I'm really poor at that, or I have taken a step away from that one, then this would be a time to say, Lord, that's where I'm at. Move me towards the center of this animating glory that you have in the local church. And so this is the way I would, I would ask you to think about it. Um, in the um, great room, the great hall, I wish I had the name. And I ask you guys every time, what do we call the big room? Great hall. I should know that. So the great hall at the right, you go in and on the uh, literature table, you will see uh, our covenant um, membership, I ask you to just grab one and then read that to someone. Maybe your spouse, maybe your good friend, maybe it's someone you pull aside. And you can just read that and listen to yourself say that. And there might be ones that kind of feel like a speed bump that you kind of go over and go, whoo, I don't, I don't even know what that means. Or I don't think I like that one. Circle that. It's okay. It's okay. Circle that and take it to your community group and say, This is the one I circled. Will you pray for me and help me? And my guess is the community group would descend upon that and love on you. And that that community group leader would probably go, well, look at mine. And you go, whoa, I can help you with that. And there's just this symbiotic, mutual, back-and-forth help that comes from togetherness. And so, Ligonier Ministries and Lifeway Research, the question... I'm going to try to answer it. Do you have to? Behind that question lies one of two things. It's either this young man had one of these legendary lists that he pulls out every night and checks it to make sure he's in favor with God. Legalism, moralism. Strivings like that. Or, back there he's got an idol. And this is threatening that idol. I'd rather be walking the golf course on Sunday morning and looking at God's creation and quoting a few verses and feeling close to God. I'd rather be in Starbucks with my best friend sipping good coffee and talking about God, Bible, Jesus, and whatnot, and then anything else rather than this kind of stuff here. When an idol is threatened, we're going to go, do I have to? We have to, as we understand that He has placed a zeal within our hearts to be devoted to learning together, partnering together, sharing together, and praying together. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you so much for your patience and kindness. Slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, sympathetic towards us. You adore us. And you, because of your son Jesus, are washing us with the word and bringing us to Christ in brand new ways for His honor, for His glory, for His pleasure. Grace us with that reality here at Veritas, that we as covenant members may exude this love and joy and peace and patience and kindness towards you and others, that you will be honored and we will be satisfied. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.